Hi, I'm Dr. Kevin Cheng, founder of Asana, a health service dedicated to transforming lives through prevention. Over the years, I have reflected with colleagues on what we wish people did so they can avoid pain, surgery, or developing a chronic disease. Often the answer lies in embracing a proactive mindset and putting healthy lifestyle practices into action. By doing this, the upside is not only better health, but also saving us time, money, and stress in the long run. In this podcast, I'm joined with my friend Saxon Piggott to chat with a new health expert each week. We'll cover practical ways to look after ourselves, how to prevent illness, and ways we can be inspired to live well. Welcome to Prevention Hacks, the weekly conversation where we go to health experts for advice, so you don't have to. Welcome, Mitchell. What happens if we don't manage stress? I think ultimately, well, first of all, thank you for having me today. Um, What happens if we don't manage the symptoms of stress? They ultimately will more than likely continue and start to affect other areas of your life. Stress is associated with a number of different symptoms. Um, It can affect the body. That is, it can uh, impact our immune system. It can lead to aches and pains. Um, It can affect gastrointestinal um, functioning as well. Alternatively, it can affect our thinking or cognition. That is, it can make it make it hard for us to concentrate and to think. And it can also affect our actions too, and that people can start to resort to substances or alcohol or drugs to manage stress. So ultimately, if stress isn't managed, the symptoms that are associated with stress are unlikely to, to abate. They're going to continue. And unfortunately, they can start to affect a person's life. As you can probably imagine, if a person's drinking excessively to manage their stress, that can start to affect their physical health, their work and relationships. That can be really damaging. Men don't uh, normally, well, a lot of men don't ask for help or won't ask for help. Um, When's the best time for someone to think about doing that? I would say if if a person's noticed that their symptoms have started to affect their quality of life, that is, it's, it's weighing on their mind, um, they're feeling less happy, that their life is starting to lose its color and they're starting, it's just starting to impact them personally. Um, that, that would be one reason to see, seek help. Alternatively, if it starts to affect other areas of your life, if you find that stress is making it hard to concentrate at work or to get work done, if it's causing conflict at home, if it's impacting your physical health, these are all reasons why you'd wanna, you'd wanna get on top of stress and see someone. So if they're starting to lose control of, uh, they're getting owned by it. Yeah. Ultimately, if it's making you unhappy, I mean, some people can be under a lot of stress and it doesn't necessarily bother them so much. They accept, for example, if a person's in a very stressful job, they might just accept stress as part of the job. And if they're, if they're accepting of it and they're, they decide that they're okay with it and it doesn't impact their work performance, there wouldn't be much reason necessarily for them to seek treatment unless the stress was hurting them in another way. So ultimately, if stress is causing you a problem physically, socially, professionally, that would be definitely the time to see someone and talk to someone about it. And what's a good way to do that? What's a good way to reach out for help? It can be challenging to find a psychologist. First off, some people don't recognize that the symptoms they're experiencing are psychological. Um, a good example would be pain. Some, if someone has aches and pains or they have a headache or um, they, it could be hard for them to, I guess, associate that with the stress that they're feeling. So number one is identifying that it's actually stress or anxiety. 
Um, and one of the best ways of doing that is either through your own research, but preferably a GP. I would say GP is probably number one because they're going to be able to separate physical um, issues from psychological ones. And from there, if it's actually a, a psychological condition that you're experiencing, like stress or anxiety, your GP can actually send you to a psychologist. They'll usually have a list of them. So I'd say number one, see your GP. Maybe the one to go to. Thanks, Mitch. Good plug for GPs. Um, <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, taking a helicopter view, um, over the years, I've done a lot of uh, work for the Health and uh, Hospital Reform Commission. We look at mental health um, as a challenge uh, for Australia. And one of the findings, uh, even going back 10, 15 years, was that uh, we don't spend a lot of um, funding and resources on mental health. In fact, I think the burden of mental health is thereabouts 15, maybe up to 20% um, with, with COVID. Um, but we only spend, uh, you know, seven, eight percent of total health budget on, on mental health resources, uh, providing services in, in, in mental health. Um, and so this is more of a question around the delays. And you mentioned, you know, mental health can mask as other things. So there's often what we see as a treatment uh, lag. There's a delay in getting treatment if you have, a, have stress or mental health conditions. But there's also uh, delays in getting diagnosis as well or, or seeking help in the first place. Um, so a couple of questions here. One is your thoughts on the best way to navigate and get help early. And then um, the second is what might be some barriers that people have that would make them hesitant to, to seek help? So how do we help people to seek treatment as early as possible? I would say that links back to what I was saying before about um, people seeing their GP. Um, the GP can help to, they do what's called a differential diagnosis, um, which helps them to see whether the, a person's symptoms are biological or psychological in nature. So number one, I'd see your GP as soon as possible because they'll be able to help you, um, one, determine what the actual problem is, and two, link you up with services that can help. Um, what was the second question? I think they're well, it's, related. It's more, it's more why people don't, uh, initiate themselves, you know, to, to go and, and mm. seek help. And I suppose partly, you know, what's the worst that can happen if you don't, if you let, let the symptoms, you know, um, continue. Mm. I think there are a number of barriers that stop people from seeing a psychologist. I think the first one is that people don't necessarily think that a psychologist can help. Um, the research shows that the two main factors that prevent people from seeking psychological services are confidence in the service and also cost. So confidence, um, that barrier relates to a person not thinking that a psychologist can actually help them deal with the problem that they're dealing with. Um, I think what can help in that way is that people should know that there's been half a decade of research now on various psychological treatments, such as cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT for short. That's a psychological treatment that's been proven to be effective for a range of different conditions, including anxiety, depression, and so on. So they can be confident that thousands and thousands of people have been helped by this. So that addresses the confidence issue. Like we actually do have good treatments. And number two, um, the other barrier can be cost. It can be really expensive to see a psychologist. One of the great things about Asana, I think, is that we offer, um, as part of a person's membership, we offer 10 sessions that a person won't need to pay for. Medicare will actually fund those sessions for them. Um, so that addresses the cost issue. 
apart from confidence in the service and cost, I'd say uh, stigma could also play a role and that sometimes people can either feel, I guess, embarrassed or reluctant to go to a psychologist. Um, this can affect men in particular in that I think years and perhaps decades ago, it was very much a cultural norm, at least I think in Australia, men sort of not asking for help or talking about their feelings. There was at least a stereotype about that. And I think that isn't as strong these days. I think guys are thankfully a lot more willing to actually talk to someone and see, see a psychologist. Um, so I think it's definitely getting better, but I think the stigma um, or the perceived stigma of psychology or seeing a psychologist might make someone a little bit reluctant to do it. Mm. So I guess to summarize, I'd say the way to, to address the barriers to treatment are one, see a GP who can link you up with services. Two, feel confident that it can work because we have a lot of research that shows that it does work. It doesn't mean that it will. You might need to try out a, different, a few different psychologists before you yeah. find one that works for you. Number three is cost. So some of the session will either be um, like covered by Medicare. And in some instances, like Asana, it will be completely covered with private psychologists in the community. It will be partially covered. Perhaps half of the fee will be covered. And finally, stigma. To know that our society is getting a lot better at promoting mental health and communicating that it's something to take seriously as well. So yeah, great. I would say it's really those things that are going to get people through the door and getting the help they need. We're seeing um, across the, the service, we're seeing a lot of uh, folks really feeling the pandemic and worried about the uncertainty, um, challenge with lockdowns um, and the infection risks uh, as well. Uh, so um, we're seeing a lot more people who are facing psychological you know, distress, um, mental health scores are, are going up. And at the same time, um, it might be hard to, to come in and see you or some of the psychology services that we have in our healthcare system. Um, what can folks do at home that can help, that has good evidence um, to reduce stress? I would say start with lifestyle, lifestyle factors. Um, and these are things like sleep. So try to have a sleep routine. That is try to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time each day. That will help you to get into a routine and it should help to stabilize your sleep pattern. Um, and on the point of routine, I'd actually say routine is pretty key. So in your routine, you should factor the time you go to bed and the time you get out of bed. Naturally, if you're feeling stressed and you're not feeling 100%, your sleep will be affected. So you might also need to rely on other strategies. Um, and these might include things like exercise. So trying to get at least um, 20 to 30 minutes of moderate exercise a day is around the government guidelines. Um, Apart from that, you could also rely on more intense forms of exercise like running or weightlifting if that's possible for you. Otherwise, a brisk walk for 20 or 30 minutes a day can be really helpful. Apart from that, watch out for your diet. So as I said before, it's not uncommon for people to rely on things like alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, junk food to manage their stress. And of course, we know what can happen if you use too much of those things. So I'd be very conscious of your diet. Um, these are lifestyle factors. Um, outside of that, what else can you do? Meditation can be helpful. Um, there are a number of good apps that a person can use in this way. One app is called Headspace. Another app is called Calm. And these are apps you can download onto your phone and it will guide you through 10-minute lessons or 10-minute um, teachings on meditation. So that can be really helpful. 
I've got a mate who uses Headspace. He swears by it. And he's, yeah. he's a very unlikely candidate. He's not the kind of guy you would assume is going to um, reach out for help. He's mm. quite a blokey bloke. Um, but he, he loves it. He thinks it's been really helpful for him. Well, that's the great thing about technology these days. It's, it can, it's discreet. A person can easily download the Headspace app. No one has to know about it. And it introduces them to the world of mental health and, and mindfulness. Um, and, that can, and a lot of the time that can be all a person, all a person really wants or needs. So it's excellent. It's excellent. I've got um, another buddy who's a psychologist and I had a beer with him at a barbecue recently and he was, we were asking him about, you know, what do you do and what does it mean? And, and he was telling us that one of the main takeaways for him is he just gives people tools that they can use. So offers them a bit of fresh perspective that maybe they haven't thought of, but also gives them some tools to cope with certain situations, especially around workplace stress. That's, that's his specialty. Um, mm. So and knowing when something's appropriate and when it isn't and, and, and how you might cope with it better. That seemed to be the way that he described it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I try to think of what I do is exactly that. So it's a big portion of it is teaching skills and strategies for managing emotional um, and also social and psychological issues. And number two, it's, it's really, I try to offer people a space to just get things off their chest. People really, really, really underestimate the value of just having someone who's completely objective, who won't judge you, who will listen to anything you will say and will not tell anyone. Um, people wildly underestimate the value of that. Honestly, most of my job is really just giving people that space to get things off their chest. Um, and so I really, it's part, yeah, really in, in a lot of ways it is that honestly, I, I, I wish I could communicate that because it's sort of, people don't think that that will help. A lot of the time, especially guys that I work with, they, 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 a lot of the time the message is, what's the point of talking about this problem? Talking about it isn't going to fix it. And that's true. You have to formulate a plan for how you're going to troubleshoot and problem solve. Yes, that's, that's important. But people, as I say, wildly underestimate the value of just being able to talk a problem through. People noticeably feel better in the session. I watch them come in stressed and tense. And as the session goes on, if they can fully just ventilate, and get get and actually just talk about what they're going through and how they're feeling about it they leave re much more relaxed and feeling much better so that is probably something i'd really communicate even if you don't want to learn skills and things just come and just know that you will probably feel better just talking about it give it a try definitely so in that way sort of linking back to your question kevin social support is massive mm. if you have like trying to rely on people in your life that you trust and who you can share things with now, sometimes people haven't got that luxury of having a great partner or friends or parents or siblings that they can talk to, in which case definitely see a professional. It doesn't always have to be coming to see you. You're saying a bit of social connectivity um, can go a long way as well. I sometimes think that what I, what I give to people is what a really good friend would give them, which is just objectivity, not acceptance, not judging them, a, a piece of advice here that might be helpful. So if someone has that in their life, definitely use that resource or consider that, consider trying to build those relationships. Try to think of someone who's demonstrated, I guess, trustworthiness and, and think about if you would like to try to, I guess, deepen that relationship or work on that relationship. So social support is huge. And it, naturally in COVID, it's one of the things that's been knocked out. People mm. are so isolated at the moment because of the climate, obviously. Um, and people are really taking a hit because of that. Isolation, loneliness, we know really negatively impacts mental health. So mm. getting connected, 
in person or through various forms of technology if you have to um is is, is crucial yeah and and perhaps just to without scaring anyone um what can happen if we if if folks don't you know go and get help um and they you know progress um you know where where could be you know some of the consequences of um how bad mental health can can get it depends how a person's mental health condition manifests so if someone is highly stressed and they resort to alcohol to cope with that stress there are a number of um their physical health is likely to deteriorate. Yeah. Um, alternatively, if a person's stress manifests in, I guess, like verbal aggression, like getting snappy with people in, at home or at work, naturally those relationships are going to deteriorate. Um, so I would say that it really depends on how a person's um, symptoms manifest. So physical health can decline, social relationships can um, be impacted, as can work. Um, Mitchell, thanks very much. Kev, any, any final questions? Any final thoughts? No, um, I just think it's uh, such an important topic at the moment. So we, we need to pay attention to it and um, reaching out. Um, it was recently Are You OK Day? So reaching out to people that we know, um, loved ones, um, and in our service, making sure that we are checking in on, um, on how people are, are feeling um, during this difficult time is, is key. So thanks again. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Mitchell.